0: Welcome back to the Pathway Podcast. In this week's episode, Lead Pastor Jeremy Flanagan wraps up this series, exploring how patience and prayer are connected to wisdom. Like Mitchell said, we are finally wrapping up here in this series in the Book of James, and uh, you know we've had three different series as we go through this book, and just a whole lot uh, of uh, of meat in there. Like I've said multiple times, James was written to believers. And that's the first thing that you have to understand is that it was not written to an audience trying to convince people that God was real. Or trying to convince people that Jesus was the son of God and that he is our savior if we just trust in him. That's not who this book was written to. It was written to Jewish people who had accepted that Jesus was the Messiah. And so it was filled with 108 verses and in those 54 imperatives, right, telling us what to do and what not to do, just hit after hit after hit about all the problems we, we face. And so the book of James is a lot about telling them not to show preferential treatment to others, right? That was the number one thing that shows that you have dead faith. It was about uh, not having a judgmental spirit, but it, uh, that when we do address things, you know, it's, it's to be loving each other. And if all you're doing is, as it said, tearing each other up, right? Destroying each other, then, then that's a sinful action and you have to fight that. You have to fight those urges. And all these different things that James dealt with, the problems that they faced. Quit doing the things that you know you shouldn't do, right? That's what James is trying to get them to understand. Quit being so self-righteous, And quit making excuses for all the sins in your own life while you look around and tear everybody down for theirs. So the book of James is that all the way through, but it ends in chapter 5 talking about a couple of things that he doesn't want us to forget. Right? Not things that we need to stop, but things that we need to do continually. And not just that we need to do continually, but that are an outpouring of a life of wisdom. And so when you learn through the book of James and you learn all these different aspects about how to train your mind to, to think of godly things instead of yourself, that's, you know, focusing on God and relying on him is what helps increase humility. We talked about that last week. Of all of these things that he wants you to do at the end of the day, wisdom will display patience and prayer. And so those are two things that we need to strive to do, yes, but they're really an outpouring of a wise life, of somebody who has taken a look at the word of God and who has studied what it says and who tries to apply it over time, persisting over time, developing wisdom. You know, people always say that wisdom comes with age. Not necessarily. Wisdom comes with applying the right things over and over and then learning new and and better ways to do things and applying those. I, I used Larry's quote last week. That, you know, people say, I have 25 years of experience, and he says, no, you have one year of experience you've repeated 25 times, and uh, that just means that you haven't learned anything in 24 years. And so, to have experience means that we keep growing in our knowledge, we keep applying that, and we try to do the next right thing, right? We're not stuck trying to do the same right thing over and over again. We work on that, and we just keep moving forward. And so that's where the idea of having patience and having a life of prayer come in. And this is how James wraps it up. There are all these things. You can go back and listen to the sermons. And if you are online, we have had some issues lately. And we are trying to work things out with our streaming company. So if it cuts off a little short, it's just because the online community thinks that I'm long-winded. And they want to make your sermons shorter. But you can always catch it on, uh, on the audio that we do always have that in full. And we are going to have a shorter message today because we have guests with us. And, um, and if you are online, uh, you'll miss us talking about them. Uh, great people that I've known for a very long time, and we're going to be excited to share more with you a little bit later when we're off live stream. Uh, but uh, so if you're online, you can uh, check your email. Uh, if you're not getting emails from us, contact us. So we can let you have that information about, uh, about the family that is with us today. But um, you know, as we do this and as we talk about Wisdom and as we wrap up James, you can go back And you can hear all the sermons about the things that we need to stop. But today is about here are the two things you can't forget. Every day, to have. The things that you need to do, the things you need to display as an outpouring of a wise life is to have patience and to be a person of prayer. Now, the older we get, like I said, we think that we'll become more patient. I, I would say that's probably true for me. I hope that I am learning as I grow older to you know, not be so uh, worried about trying to make everything today exactly how I need it to be, but to try and, and get the right things accomplished over time. Uh, my wife tells me I'm becoming more patient mostly when I'm driving. She says I'm driving like an old man. But she's been saying like that for a long time. But don't drive with her. She'll scare you. So I'm much more relaxed when it comes to that. But I did. When I was you know, a teenager... And I was having this discussion with some people this week. I don't understand teenagers all the time nowadays. But when I was 16, when I turned 16, me and my cousin left the house at 1201, right, when I, turned, when I was legally old enough to drive. just as a, a weeknight just so we could drive through town and drive back just because I was ready for that freedom, right? And, and people today, it doesn't seem like that's as important to them. And um, what we came to in our conversation was that we make life too easy for kids and they like being at home, and we were all miserable. We just wanted to get out. Um, But, you know, when I was younger, when I was coming up to Fayetteville and we didn't have the bypass and you're driving the old Highway 71, there's there's like an area with two lanes going uphills and around curves. It was like a go-kart track to me. Now, I say that now because... I'm 45, and my mom, if she hears me say that, isn't worried anymore. But back then, she should have been. And if she had ever seen me drive, it would have scared her half to death because I wanted to make time, right? I wanted to, I wanted, if I was like three minutes slower than the time before, I was mad at myself, so that just meant next time I sped more. And I just wanted to go as fast as I could and do that. And nowadays, I just, I just drive slow and just enjoy, you know, the, the the path and everything. And it's also because over time I've learned God does answer prayers. He does. He answers prayers. And I've prayed for God because I've been a very impatient person my whole life. And I've prayed for God to extend my patience because there are two things in life that I've never chosen right. And that is the lane of traffic to drive in (laughs) and the grocery line. It doesn't matter what we do. And so when Jessica and I would check out, now the last... 10 years, we haven't done as much. We would go to two different lines because I I hate, hate waiting in line. And so like we'd be in two different lines. And then when one is shorter and we do this on vacation, we go to theme parks and all that stuff. And then, you know, we'll be texting the other. We'll motion the other for like 200 yards away. And we try running because I'm such an impatient individual. And I've prayed for God to fix that. And you know what he did? He took away all the checkers. And so... What I'm telling you is that if you struggle with patience, but you are a praying person, God will answer, but he won't always answer the way you want. Now I never have a checker ever again in my life. And I have to wait on all the rest of you to check out before I get to actually be up there. And that's even harder to pick who's going to be slow as Christmas. So... God will grow your patience, but I'm telling you that if you don't start to let him grow it in his way, he'll answer your prayer in a way that you didn't want. But a life of wisdom is one that does realize that everything that is, we want now isn't necessarily God's timing or God's plan. It isn't necessarily the way that things will work out best. And a life that is wise, as we'll see here in a little bit, is doing the right things continually, even if we're not seeing the results we want today. You know, James chapter 4 and 17 said, Remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not to do it. Right? And that was in the middle of all these passages that are talking about these things that we clearly see as sinful actions and we clearly understand we need to not do these sinful actions. Well, if we ought to be people that display patience, and if we ought to be people that are constantly in prayer, is it a sin not to do those things? I want you to think about that. Is it a sin to not be the kind of people that show the wisdom that we have garnered in a way that displays our reliance on God through prayer and the patience he has developed in us? Because if we started looking at those two things as important as not murdering, right? Well, we didn't murder anybody today, so we're doing pretty good. Well, have we prayed? And are we displaying patience? Those are the types of things, the good things, that James is reminding us to do that we often forget about. So let's dive into James chapter 5, and that's where we're going to be today, wrapping up this book. And he says, Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. Take courage for the coming of the Lord is near. Don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. For look, the judge is standing at the door. Again, there's a couple of verses in here. Verse 9 is one of them. Uh, Verse 12 is going to be another that it just seems James just kind of throws things in there. However, you start looking at his idea here of patience. And the example he gives of a farmer, right? If you go to a 9-to-5 a, a job, really, 8-to-5 job, I don't know of 9-to-5 jobs really, but 8-to-5 job and you're working that or, you know, whatever your, your schedule is, and you know that I'm going to be this amount of time and I'm going to try and get these things accomplished, but then I'm going to go home and then I'm going to show back up the next day and this is what we're going to do. Well, for a farmer, the example he uses, it's not quite that way because you can really never completely guarantee the results of your work. You're reliant on so many other things. And you say, well, yeah, other jobs work that way too. They do. Because unless you're working a job on your own, you're relying on other people that you work with. You're relying on, you know, if it's a technology, on technology working. If it's, you know, machinery, you're relying on that working. If it's a market-based job, you're, you know, you're going up and down with the whims of the market and so we can all relate in some way to this, but in his analogy of a farmer, when you understand that that person truly cannot, especially the type of person who is, who is growing crops, they can't make it rain. They can't ask for somebody else to help make it rain. right? They can't control all of those things that end up determining the success, but James says that they patiently wait for the rains and they eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. So think about that mindset. The farmer doesn't know exactly how everything will turn out. But they still have to do the same work. They still have to wake up. They have to still do the same job. And they have to do the process. They know the right steps to take. And that they know if you're consistent. That things can work out. But they can't guarantee it. However, they're certain that if they're not consistent that they'll never have the success they're looking for. They have to stay consistent at their job day in and day out and then pray and wait for everything else around them they can't control to determine the results. When you start looking at it from a spiritual aspect, right, when you start looking at it from a spiritual point of view, that you have to understand that, Doing the right things consistently doesn't necessarily guarantee you the results that you're looking for because you can't control everything else. But we can pretty well be guaranteed that if we don't do the right things consistently, it's not going to turn out well. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and verse 4 on this same topic says, Farmers who wait for the perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. Just as you cannot understand the path of the wind or the mystery of a tiny baby growing in its mother's womb, so you cannot understand the activity of God who does all things. Verse 6, plant your seed in the morning and keep busy all afternoon. For you don't know if profit will come from one activity or another or maybe both. See, part of achieving what you are looking for gain out of life and I'm not just talking monetarily or success in those type of ways but in having a life that you say yes I can feel God blessing me I can see that the path that he has me walking down is being fruitful part of the the story of achieving that is looking at it as the long game not the short game and yeah so the older you get the greater chance you have to have that perspective and then to wish that you had had that perspective in your 20s right that's why it's so important when the scripture does talk about us learning from the wisdom of others or from the experience of others that's why it's so important to try and find people to pour into you and then hopefully maybe you'll listen all right i wish i'd have done more of that asking definitely more listening because the long game is truly what matters And the farmer who says that I just have to wake up and I have to plant my seed in the morning and then I need to keep busy all afternoon, right? If we are simply looking at the results of today and you tell yourself, well, the work that I'm doing, it isn't producing fruit. I can't tell you how many conversations that I have and have had over the years and years and will have in years to come because this is, a, this is a struggle for all of us in our human nature. And I have these same feelings and I have voice these same things where I will go. God, I am doing everything you want me to do, and stuff isn't working out. My life isn't seeming to be any different. My, my marriage is still having problems. My, my relationship with my kids is and, and me trying to, to move them forward still isn't having the results that I want to see. I'm having problems at my work. I'm having problems with my family. I'm having problems just with my friends. God, I am doing all of these things, and I'm not seeing the results. Well, they told the farmer, plant in the morning, keep busy all afternoon, because what you don't know, if profit will come from one activity or another, or maybe both, But the farmer does know the process must happen or you'll never have a harvest, ever. And see, that's what James is trying to get them to realize. He spent four chapters just beating them with a club and saying, stop doing all of these things that you're doing. Stop doing all of these sinful actions. Quit being so self-righteous. Quit thinking that you have it all together and accept the fact that you don't and address those things. Quit trying to pretend that you're okay. Quit doing that and focus on the long game, about waking up every day, sowing the seeds that you need to sow, and keeping busy all afternoon, right? It's that type of life that follows God even when the results aren't apparent, even when the results aren't immediate, definitely. Understanding that following the process throughout your entire life is what will Bring the rewards that God wants to bless. Now, why do we stop from doing that? Well, let's go on a little bit further. Let's go on and look at a few more things. First, in James five nine, he tells them don't grumble about each other. Right? He tells them not to fight amongst themselves. And I've said this, and if you do come and stay for the pathway class next week, when I talk about being a church family and having um, having unity within a church family. Uh, one of the things I say is that if a church is busy doing the things God wants us to do, which then means that we're usually going to see the results God wants us to see, then a church doesn't fight. If you're in a church that's fighting, it's usually because y'all are preoccupied about the things that aren't what God wants us to do. It's about the things we like, not the things God cares about. And so the same thing works in our life and here in verse, in verse 9 when he tells them to be patient and have the same type of, of attitude and mindset of somebody who's going to go out and work knowing that in the end of the day it's them doing the right things over and over and then waiting for the results. That person, that person that has that mindset isn't fighting with other people. They're just doing their job. That person who is looking to the long game and who isn't trying to get ahead of somebody today or who isn't so frustrated that they're not receiving all the benefits they want now or who isn't prideful or who isn't jealous of others that are having those rainfalls of benefits, right? And all the good things seem to happen to them, but not to me. Somebody who has their eye on the picture at the end, God's promises and what God wants for us for eternity, that person doesn't grumble about each other, and they don't fight. And if you are, right, like I said, if a church is fighting amongst themselves, they really need to evaluate, are we focused on God's first love, right? Are we focused on the gospel, or are we focused on loving loving each other? Because usually the answer is no. And so if you find yourself constantly grumbling about other people around you, ask yourself the same question. Am I focused on what God wants me to be focused on? Or am I just mad I'm not getting the results and so I've quit doing the process and I'm just angry at everybody else. And so James tells them to be patient, be patient, be patient. And in verse 10 he says, For examples of patience and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We give great honor to those who endure under suffering. For instance, you know about Job, a man with great endurance. You can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end. For the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. And then verse 12, that seems a little bit off. We'll talk about it too. But most of all, my brothers and sisters, never take an oath by heaven or earth or anything else. Just say a simple yes or no so that you will not sin and be condemned. And so patience, as he said so far, isn't something that just helps us see God's results over time. But it's what helps us get through the most difficult of times. And he talks about people and for examples of patience and suffering. And he says to look at them. And then he says, we give great honor to those who suffered. Why? Why? I mean, we just celebrated Veterans Day where we honor those who serve, right? When we have Memorial Day, you honor those who, who, who gave their life. And we have other things in our culture and, and just the people that we look up to. And it's because they they have suffered and gone through things. So my family is a, is a uh, we're a house of sarcasm. And if you can't deal with very, very, very heavy sarcasm, um, it, it doesn't work well within our four walls. Uh, but recently, Jessica was honored during um, uh, Breast Cancer Month, and she and I think five other women were taken out on the football field, and they talked about them and everything else. And I forget, uh, I don't know if it was it was me, her, and Luke, or who we were talking to, and and they said, so why are they honoring you again? And she said, because I didn't die. <laughs> and so, um, like I said, our family, it, you, we're, anyway, dark humor. Sometimes you'll be around us and you'll go, You're, they are horrible people. <laughs> and we won't deny it, but we like it and we've, we laugh. Um, and so, but you know, we honor people who have gone through suffering. But Jessica will tell you that she has been able to talk to dozens of people going, who end up going through breast cancer or other things to be able to talk to them about her path through that and about what she endured and some of the questions to ask and some of the things to focus on, right? And we honor those who have gone through suffering because sometimes we look at them and say, man, they are amazing people because I don't think I would have had that resolve or that perseverance. Or we look at them And it's because of the faith that they demonstrate. And that's why that we honor that person. Or maybe it is because we look at someone who has gone through a similar circumstance we're facing. And we're saying, because they made it through, they're giving me hope that I can do that as well. And James says that we need to live a life of patience. We need to have the idea that it's about doing the right things over time. Not expecting the results today, but doing the right things over time no matter what and look to those people who have gone before us who have suffered and who have endured great things to understand that, yes, it is their perseverance and it is their faith and that we can have hope because God has not just promised them or other people. He's promised all of us that he will be with us. Patience with a heavenly view allows us to see that the end is worth the wait no matter how long the line, right, no matter how hard it is. Patience allows us to say, the things I'm going through today, no matter how difficult, I'm gonna keep doing the right things the right way. And I know at the end, even if my reward doesn't come while I'm, I'm breathing on this earth, that I will be basking in the glow of heaven for eternity with my Lord. And there, that this life and the problems there, the one thing I'll be happy about is if I can say, I tried to live for God while I was there. And so, he tells them to have patience through all of these things and look to other people and to let them encourage you and and uh, and to just you know deal with the problems seeing the long game and then he does throw that verse twelve in there to never take an oath and uh, everything else and um you know and and <laughs> You know, There's that difference, right? If you've let somebody down multiple times, you say, no, really, I will do it. And they keep asking, are you sure and everything? No, I'll promise I'll do it. I even was told once, no, you don't ever say I'll promise, just yes or no, because if you do, you're sinning. It's not really the words that matter here, okay? So don't get confused in in that. It's the fact that James is telling them that a wise life, right, somebody who has applied knowledge over time and persisted in it, not only will you display patience, but you're also going to display somebody who deals with all the bad things in life and still, when you tell somebody yes or you tell somebody no, they can count on it. When you tell somebody and say yes, that you don't have to you know, cut your hand and, and shake in blood, a guarantee, it's just a simple yes, right? Now, I do tell people that good contracts make good friends. But hopefully, for the most part that people can just take us at our word. And that's what James is saying, is that is a display of a wise life. The patience that endures through suffering, the patience that keeps doing the right things, even with when we're not getting all the results we want. Having uh, our life where we're not grumbling about other people because we're focused on the long game. And that people have seen wisdom played out in us so much that when we say yes or no, they just trust it. We don't have to convince them that we're telling the truth. We don't have to convince them that our word is good. Now he keeps going and finally a life of wisdom is exemplified in someone who relies on prayer. And in James 5 and verse 13 he says, Are you suffering any hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you. Anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was as human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky went down, uh, rain, and the earth began to yield its crops. So why don't we pray? Let me ask that first. Why don't we pray? Why do we treat prayer often as either a time filler, right, that we pray, and my family still prays before meals, and that is kind of a a rote thing, but it's never the same prayer. We always try to think of a new thing that we're praying about that is that day, right, or that week, or something we're dealing with instead of just saying the same thing over and over again. Saying the same thing over and over again is fine too, right? But prayer shouldn't simply just be something that we do when it's time to do it, and it shouldn't simply be a last resort. But oftentimes, that's when we turn to God. You know, I, I think of, of when, you know, you're teaching a small child how to do something, right? And you're you're teaching a kid how to do things, and Uh, when Luke was a little boy, and I would teach him how to fix things. He loved fixing things. One time I was gone, and he had his little toy, you know, plastic car, and Jessica looked outside, and he was on the deck under the car with his tools, working on the car, right? It was all plastic parts. There wasn't a lot to fix. But still, yeah, Dad does that. I'm going to do that, right? And so I would teach him to work on things and stuff like that. And then when I would watch him, and he'd be messing up, Sometimes I would try and teach him, and then other times I would just step back. And then sometimes I would try to teach him, and he would say, step back. No, Dad, no, 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 I've got this. I'm doing this, right? And that's fine to let people learn and to let people grow. It's needed, actually, for small children to be able to let them be able to learn to do things for themselves and to, to gain skill, But why do we keep having the same attitude towards God when we become adults? I've got this, right? And we try to do everything that we can think of to fix the problems in our life. And it's only as a last resort, when it's all falling apart, that we actually come to him in prayer and say, God, I need your help. I need your help. See, a wise life with experience knows to ask God first. Because if we don't know the answer, why wouldn't we ask the person who has all the solutions? Why wouldn't we ask the person who is in control of the world to help us tackle the one little thing we're facing? No matter how big it may seem, it is a little thing to God. And so prayer is not just something we should do, but if we're not praying, it's another example that maybe we're not living as wise of a life as we think. If we don't show an example of patience and if we are not active in prayer, we got a ways to go before we could say our life is exemplifying wisdom. And so when you look at these things and you look at examples of people that you know are, are messing something up and they just keep trying to fix it and it just keeps getting worse, if they had just admitted that they messed something up early on that other people could have helped them, understand that that's God sometimes looking down on us saying, please ask. Just please stop and ask. Just stop for a little bit and ask. And when you pray, I want you to understand, and it talks about some great things here, right? Are, are you sick? It says, go talk to the elders and have them pray over you and have them anoint you with oil. It talks about the fact that God can heal through the power of prayer, and he can. It talks about the fact that That the prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. And it talks about how Elijah, when he prayed for it to stop raining, right? I said farmers can't control it. Elijah did, right, for a little bit. God does answer prayers in great ways. But sometimes we say to ourselves, well, Jeremy, I haven't seen those miracles. And I'm not seeing that kind of thing happen. And so I've quit doing the right things because I'm not seeing the results. I understand that because I've done the same. But he tells them to pray. And in 1 John 5 and verse 13, Scripture says, I've written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. And we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And since we know he hears us when we make our request, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. So here's where wisdom and prayer has grown in me over time. Number one, pray for whatever you want. I pray for God for the things I want, right? I pray for God for success in different areas of life. I pray for God in in the things that I would like to make my life easier and for my family and, and other things like that. I pray for what I want. But I also pray understanding that it may not be what God wants, Talked about my wife. I prayed a lot. Prayed a lot for her health. And we still had to go through a very long, difficult time. Obviously, she bore the brunt of that. I just got to walk beside her. And so, well, Jeremy, you must not have been righteous enough because that's what the guy on TV said. And I sent him $100, and he was going to pray for me. Well, okay. I've prayed for things about my own health. I've prayed for things in my own life. Why? Is God not answering all of those? Well, when I read 1 John, I want to read that scripture, and it tells me to be confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. Now, there's other scripture that just says that God also hears us whenever we pray for whatever we pray for, which is why I pray for everything, okay? I didn't buy a ticket for the $2 billion. If I had of, I'd have probably prayed. I don't think he would answer. Because God hears everything. But when he hears, like First John's talking about, and then he says that those are the things I'm going to answer, right? When I jokingly say that I want my son to become a millionaire because I have really high standards for the nursing home that I want him to put me in, right? That prayer is not necessarily going to be answered. When I pray, though, for God to help me be a better parent to my son and God help me see the ways that I'm not doing it well, God wants those and he answers. When I pray for God to help me with the health situation I pray for God to fix it. Okay? And I know God hears it and I know he might. But I also pray that no matter what the solution is that people will see me trust God through it. And God hears that and wants that, and I'm guaranteed that he is going to answer that. Because if my mindset is seeking the things in the areas that I know God wants for my life, he hears those prayers and he answers them. And part of that is not just God responding, but the fact that I have grown enough to seek and to be content, right? I'll be happy if he answers what I want but that I'll be content if he simply answers the things that I know he wants. That's patience and that prayer that shows a wise life, that brings happiness even through trials, that becomes one of those people that others look to and say, man, I'm amazed at how well that they have gotten through everything they faced. And so that's what James says, is in the end, there are a lot of things you shouldn't do, but if there's two things that you should strive to show, and if you're not, then ask yourself how wise of a life you're living. That is patience and prayer. Patience and prayer. Yeah, relying on me will help increase humility. Yeah, not tearing other people down is going to help you in your relationships with others. Yeah, not, not having an overly judgmental spirit is, is something that will allow you to be able to better... Uh, serve others. Yeah, not just telling somebody that, well, I, I wish you well, but actually getting your hands dirty and helping them. That's, that's the life of Christ, living that out. But in the end, he says, be a person that shows patience and prayer. And he wraps up the whole book of James in verse 19 and 20. My dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back from wandering will save that person From death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. As we wrap up this morning, as our worship team comes forward and we close, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, right, we want to follow God's word and we hope that it makes our life better. And I'm gonna tell you this it generally will. And I say generally. Because the yes part is the whole book of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes is, eh, but sometimes. Right? But I can guarantee you that a life spent following God, of doing your best, as James beats us with a spiritual club and says, quit doing the things you know you shouldn't, and then encourages you at the end to show patience in prayer, is a life that will help bring other people to God. As you grow closer to God and as you grow in wisdom wisdom, As you strive to apply his truth over time, your life will be one that helps draw other people to him, pull them away from the problems they're following into. And not only will your life be one that others can look up to, but you'll take friends along. And that's the whole point of the book. It's supposed to be the whole point of our life when you become a believer is to help other people follow that path. Now, if you're here and you haven't trusted in Jesus as Savior, You know we talk about patience we talk about prayer but the thing i said at the very first was that this book is written to people who already trusted that god is who he says he is jesus is who he says he was and he died for us so he'll bring us the promises that he gave that if you simply trust in jesus as your savior that you can spend an eternity with him if you're here and you're still unsure of that that's the first decision to make not trying to fix the little things in your life, not trying to get God to solve all your problems, but fixing the one problem of being a person who hasn't turned their heart over Jesus and say, I trust in you for my salvation, not myself. That's all it takes. If you're here today and you haven't made that decision, I'm gonna be worshiping up front and I would love to talk to you about that. But if you are a believer, right? If you're one of those people James is writing this to, we know and we can easily see the things that we need to stop how about patience and prayer are those the things we're doing is that the life we're showing because in the end that kind of life that has grown to that place is one that brings other people to Jesus whatever it is that you may need to lay at the feet of Jesus today come and, and pray and lay it at his feet today I would love to pray with you but let's stand up and let's worship together